the Team Performance Podcast with Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. and welcome to another episode of the Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I am joined by my very illustrious colleague in a in a beautiful, uh, what is that? It looks kind of like a, 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 a blue, silver, very light uh, shirt. Very, very nice. Matches quite nicely with the background there, Spencer. How you <laughs> yeah, doing? thank you. I'm doing well. This is, uh, this is a teal shirt, and I, I love this shirt. It's got some nice purple on the, you know, on the on the buttons and the collar and the, anyway, this was uh, made by a friend of mine for, for me specifically for special events. And, you know, being with you is always a special event. Ah, well, that's very, very flattering and kind of you to say, I feel the same way. Uh, Did you wake up to snow this morning? Yes, we did. We had some fresh snow on the ground. It's, it's great, but I didn't go out and play in it like usual. I, I've I've had some changes in my schedule of late. Well, why are you changing schedules? Why are you Why are you not out there playing in the snow? I'm I'm not out there playing in the snow because I think it's beautiful to look at, but I just feel too old to play around in it. But why so, are you not playing in the snow? Well, there's a very good reason, and it has to do with our guest Lisa Sams. Oh right. So what are and, you doing with Lisa? Well, I, you know, we had her on and she had a, a just great information for our listeners on working into wellness. And about two months later, I took her uh, assessment, you know, I did all everything, body measurements and the, the wealth of knowledge that I got back is unbelievable. I, I'm using their app. It's called Shea, S-H-A-E, you know, through PH360, which is, uh, I, I assume, personal health 360, but it, it, it has all kinds of information from my schedule that I should have every day when I should sleep, when I should eat, when I should exercise, when I should work, when my best time for work is. And it's all based on that biology and our body type. And we spent a lot of time, I went over my behavioral assessment with her and I think she liked that a lot. And, and then she went into it just a ton of detail. And one of the things I learned based on my body type, Christian, is that I should actually start my day slower. I love to get out and, but you know, then I, I kind of crash by the end of the day and, and then I'm kind of useless into, into the evening. And so the suggestions are that you start your, your schedule, you go, you sleep from like 11 to seven, if that's possible, 11 to six. Um, so I, I typically go to bed you know, by 11, that's, that's normal for me anyway. Um, but when you get up, not necessarily eat breakfast, you know, they say you can have a cup of coffee, which I don't drink coffee. So maybe a, a cup of Pero or herb tea or something like that, or super light breakfast, not supposed to really eat much because my digestive system apparently takes a little longer to get going. And then big lunch right around one o'clock suggesting that I don't snack and then my best exercise times are from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. And that's when I should have my, my peak heart rate from 3 to 6. And then it says great time from 6 to 8 to really do creative thinking to be productive. And so I'm, I'm testing it out. 
I got to give it a, a really good effort. To, it, it's been a big shift for me because you know how I like to get up and go in the morning. One of the problems is it's warm in the afternoon, so the trails get muddy. And I like when they're frozen, you know, with my crampons, I, it, it's clean. And <laughs> so, so the last couple of days, I've actually done some in-house um, team beach body like dance. <laughs> it's killing me, man. That's got to be a sight. I'm terrible at it. I got to see Spencer busting moves. <laughs> but, you know, I got to keep the exercise. But it, it's it's working well so far. And I've had to, I've adjusted my calendar, my work calendar. I'm just making lots of adjustments because I want to see if it helps me to have more energy and more productivity. Wow, that's really, really cool. I'm curious to see how it all pans out. I mean, when do you follow up with Lisa again to kind of mark your progress? Well, I think I'm going to do it in, in, gosh, two weeks since we 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 met last. So it's it's another week. Uh, but I, I I really want to give it a good shot before I do that. And uh, there's just it's, it's overwhelming how much information there is, and that's really one of the reasons why you need uh, her and her team to coach you. I mean, she coaches whole organizations and teams to help them make transitions in their lives and understand what is causing them stress and frustration and lack of energy, which we all need. As a matter of fact, you know, one of the, and we'll get into that in that topic right now, so many teams and organizations are really struggling right now with, with stress and fatigue. And so this is a, a topic that I think, you know, what she is doing is, is very, very important. And I hope you finish your assessment because I can't wait to hear about your results. Yeah, I got to get on it. All right, Spencer. That's really, really cool. And I'm curious to see how it goes in the coming weeks with you and Lisa. Uh, we've got a really interesting topic today, Spencer, which yeah. is introducing what I hope will be a series on, on this particular topic. But why don't you go ahead and give us the rundown? Yeah, I mean, the the, the title of, of this podcast now that we've been doing for almost a year is team performance winning ways for uncertain times and and there's still a tremendous amount of uncertainty i have clients that are calling me and asking me for help because you know initially what what we saw there there were layoffs there was a tremendous amount of uncertainty and so those that kept their jobs were nervous and they were just working hard to make the adjustments and transition. They, there was a lot of work that had to happen to, to work remotely. And it just, remember we told you listeners that, you know, we're working longer than we've ever worked. And that wasn't unique to us. It was unique to all. I mean, you all probably experienced those same things. And so there was this huge push of, of physical and mental uh, and emotional energy expended and now teams, what I'm hearing and what I'm experiencing are just tired and done. And, and so team performance is flagging. And there are some challenges that are, that are surfacing with, within organizations. And so one of the things that I like to do with teams is take them through a process to help look at how they're performing and the conditions on the team that are allowing them to either be productive or are 
dragging that that productivity down. And it's a it, it's a you know it's a very systematic process. I'm a certified team performance coach, and one of the things I've learned is that you can make very quick shifts within an organization by focusing on a team. You know, I also do a lot of executive coaching and, and I think that's important, but if I'm coaching all the executives on the team, you're not going to get as fast of a shift in the entire team behavior as if you work on them all together. Because what happens a lot of times is the, the, the team members are bumping up against each other. There, there's, there's friction, there's dysfunction, and you can address that very quickly and effectively together even more so than you would individually and in working through those things uh, and then having them come back and work with you. You can work with things on the spot with a team. So it's a, it's a very productive team approach to, uh, to, to change behavior. And, and like I said, there's a very systematic approach to doing that. So I wanna share some of that. I wanna share some, some slides with you on, on the approach that, that we take if I can get this up, I'm doing something. Yes, we get slides. I'm excited to have slides. That means people <laughs> don't need to see my ugly mug. So bring on the slides. <laughs> All right. Um, here we go. So here, um, you know, as I said, this is what we call the, the, the team diagnostic approach to high-performing teams. And, and I've given you a couple of reasons why we want to focus on teams. And um, I'm going to give you a, a couple more. And really, we need to focus on teams because that's really where there's such a huge impact of being able to do more with less, which is important right now. I mean, you know, we still have unemployment higher than, than a year ago. I mean, it's close to 8%, 7% right now. Uh, I think a year ago it was in, you know, three, three and a half percent. So companies are doing more with, with, with less and we have to. And so it is when you, when your team is uh, performing at a high level, you are much more able to do uh, the work of the work more efficiently and effectively. And, and we really want to, to leverage the, you know, the team and, and, and teams are, are changing and how we work together is changing and the remote functions that, you know, that, that we're working through. And, and, um, and, and so it's just really important that we, we focus on this, this subject and, and, and you have so many teams that are interconnected and the challenges that I'm hearing Christian right now is it's harder to have that interconnectedness when we're so remote and it's making innovation and collaboration more challenging, certainly not impossible, but, but more challenging. And there's so many different shapes and sizes of, of teams. And we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the types of teams that, that, that we work with and, and really these teams depend on each other at a high level every day. And so we have, a, we make a couple of assumptions about teams. First of all, that, you know, teams, exist to produce results, right? And, and they want to achieve business results. And, and they do that by working with, with each other and with, with other teams. So as I've always said, there's just really one purpose for the team, and that is to, to be productive. And what we find, this is based on 20 plus years of, of research and assessing teams all around the world less than 12% of all teams that, 
Team Coaching International has evaluated in their database really rate themselves as high performing. So, so think about it for a second. I mean, if you had an asset where around 90% of that asset was underperforming, what would you do with it? Uh, if it was just a simple asset, you may consider just getting rid of it and bringing in new assets. But if you, <laughs> but if you thought that the asset was worth quote unquote fixing, then you would take steps to go ahead and fix it. It's interesting that they, this is a self-rating, right? Rather yeah. than uh, a rating that's independent. So that's people correct. within the teams themselves don't feel like they're performing at the, at the appropriate level. That's correct. That's correct. And, 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 they, and who you know, knows them better than, than themselves, but it's an average of their perspective. And I'll show you a little bit about what that, what that looks like. But if it's, if it's underperforming, then we would spend some focus on, on correcting that. And so the goal really is to help teams perform at a high level, but not just for a month or a year, but sustainably. And, and so really the, the question comes is how do you get a team to perform at that high level sustainably? And, and it has to do with the, the culture or the conditions on, on that team. And, and so you have 14 elements that we measure through the assessment, seven of which have to do with productivity. And, and, we'll, and I'll share those with you in, in a moment. And then the other seven have to do with positivity strengths. So why do you think we, we focus so much on, on positivity? That's a good question. Um, I don't know the answer. I would assume that uh, by focusing on positivity, it would also increase productivity, that there's a relationship between productivity and positivity, but I'm not certain. There, there absolutely is a, a relationship and, and you're right. Uh, I want you to think about, just think about your relationships. I mean think about your past bosses and, and I'm looking for some more, I've got a bunch of stuff open to, to share and I'm not finding on my, got all my windows open, but think about some of the relationships you've had in the past with bosses that maybe weren't as positive. How, how much discretionary effort did you give compared to those bosses that you admired and loved? Well, I think what happened in those scenarios, or at least what's happened with me, just thinking back on it, and understanding that we have rehearsed none of this, right? I'm no, no, we're not. We're just uh, cold, which is which is a lot of fun. Uh, what I would say <laughs> is that is that for the relationships where there is instead of positivity, where there's negativity, that a lot of energy is consumed by this negativity. You know, it's true. Uh, a, there's a lot of stress there, and and a lot of my bandwidth, my mental bandwidth, gets taken up by by fear. And uh, if it's positive, then all of that burden is relieved. And then I can really focus my efforts on the task at hand rather than worrying about looking over my shoulder or worrying about what my boss is going to think if I do this or that or the other. Yeah. And so that, that's all intuitive on, on your part, but it's it's also borne out by, by science. So for example, 
Um, oh my goodness. Now I'm just blanking. Um, there's, there's a lot of research done by uh, Dr. John Gottman for probably 30 plus years uh, of research that says that the best relationships, whether they're personal or romantic, have a positive to negative ratio of five to one. So, so think about it. Think about, you, you know, your, your relationship with, with Ruth, you know, what, what percentage of that is positive to negative and think about your children. Could that, could that be better? Think about the, the interactions that you have at work. You know, when, when you sit down and talk to your employees, is it just for corrective action or are there times when you reinforce the things that they, they do well? Think of those, think of all of those interactions. So there's other research done by industrial psychologists that suggest a, a similar number is really important to, to, be, to be sustainable. So this is not something I'm, I'm making up. Um, all right, let me, let me share my, my screen again. And this is uh, a, a quote by, um, here we go. I'm gonna put it on my, my desktop here and see if this, uh, how's that show up? Productivity and positivity. So Daniel Goldman, um, Richard Boyatzis and Annie McKee, you know, these, these are brilliant minds on organizational development and emotional intelligence. And they wrote a book called um, Primal Leadership. And one of the things that they say is that the fundamental task of leaders is to prime good feelings in those that they lead. And that occurs when there's resonance, right? There's people are kind of what you were talking about intuitively. They, you feel connected and, and, and engaged with the work you do and the people you work with. And so that's really coming from a, this reservoir of positivity that, that frees the best in people. And so they argue and posit, and that's where a lot of this focus on positivity with the team diagnostic approach comes from, is that the primal job of, of leadership is really um, emotional. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I really agree with that. I think it's quite interesting, Spencer, here in our backyard, there's a professional sports team, the Utah Jazz, who have been on a tear, right? They, so are, awesome. they are leading the NBA in wins in a number of statistical categories. And, you know, it should be noted that we're recording this on the day following their win over the 76ers. And Jordan Clarkson going off for 40 points as a reserve, right? Coming off the bench and scoring 40 It was points. such a great game. Did you watch it? I did watch it. And, and I listened. I did not watch, but I listened to the postgame afterwards and the interview that was conducted with Jordan Clarkson, uh, you know, following his achievement. And you could see the, or you could hear the positivity, the, the amount of encouragement that he's received from his teammates, from his coaches, that led him to accept the role that he's playing and really perform in that role to the very best of his ability. Yeah, he could have done anywhere. The faith that his coaches and teammates have in him, which have built up his confidence. I mean, I think he's a an excellent case study in 
positivity as you're talking about here. Such a good point. And, 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 you know, one of the examples of that is he's somebody that takes, so last night he actually got fouled shooting three pointers. So typically when someone shoots a three pointer, they're wide open, right? But not Jordan Clarkson. He shoots with people's hands in his face, their bodies all over him. So they're really close to him because they want to stop him, but he shoots it anyway. And his coach encourages him to do it. And, and because of that, you know, he, I think he shot seven, three pointers last night. And, uh, and you could see the celebration with his teammates when he was doing so well, they just celebrate each other. And there are other superstars on the team, quote unquote, superstars that not jealous. They, they just really support each other. And so that is a great case study. I love that you brought that up. It's, it's perfect. Well, it's been a lot of fun to watch them, and I don't want to go off on a tangent about the Utah Jazz, but I do think that there's something there. Uh, you mentioned being connected. Uh, the coach of the Jazz, uh, Quinn Snyder, talks about being connected all the time, and so there's definitely something to that, and it's hard to be connected when you're negative. It's much easier to be connected when you're positive and you're all uh, feel like you're all in this together and you're supported by each other. We should not forget that just a couple of games ago, uh, Jordan had a rather subpar game. I mean, his shooting percentage was quite low. He was missing a lot of shots. Yeah. But you know what? That didn't impact his teammates' faith in him or their, his coaches' faith in him. They're just like, keep doing what you're doing. It'll it'll work out. And it does. You know, and they say that all the time. I mean, there's other members of the team. Uh, Royce O'Neal, I think he's gone, you know, zero for 10 for three pointers in the last three games or something like that. And then he just, he goes off for, you know, three out of five in the fourth quarter. And, but the point is, is that even when you're struggling on a team, you know, sometimes we think, well, that's the time we got to put the pressure on. And, and uh, I, I remember I, I'm shifting gears here. I remember when I was uh vice president of operations for a company that developed IMAX theaters. And we had this uh, theater in, in Branson, Missouri. And during the busy season, it was just jam packed all the time. We had, you know, four or 500 people in, in the auditorium and, you know, we'd, we'd rotate them every hour. And it was just this big production and this big show. Well, there are times when the projector would go down and right in the middle of the show, high, if you've ever been in a movie, but the, it, when the projector goes down, it's highly disappointing. And, and so the initial um, intention or, 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 or not intention, but just, just the, the, uh, the impulse is to run up to the projection with what's going on, right? Well, that's the, that is not the time to go in there when all that pressure is going on for those guys already feel the pressure in the booth and they're, they're doing their best to fix it. They don't need their boss breathing down their neck. And so I would say anything you need me to do. And then I would run down in the audience and start telling jokes and just, you know, be with the audience and, and fill the gaps. <laughs> And Spencer, the stand-up comedian. I really <laughs> want to see that. <laughs> not, I, I had a whole Our bunch next episode of, on the podcast. Uh, Spencer yeah, was, jokes. Yeah. Well, this was this was in the '90s, so those those jokes may they they were pretty, they worked well with the with with the blue hair group, you know, the senior citizens. But um, 
but but that's and and the projection team really appreciated that they noted that that we didn't uh, put that extra pressure on them so that they could get through that. And I think that's you know I think that's kind of what we're talking about here is that we get to support each other. You know, sometimes we're going to falter and struggle, and it's not the time to lose faith in each other. That's the time to encourage and and say you know keep going keep going after it, and you'll you'll succeed. Let's let's take a look at another graphic, and I and I want you to see let's what comes it. to mind. Um, okay, here we go. So I, I want you to think of if you look at the bottom right quadrant. So so you've got the horizontal plane here. Christian represents productivity, low productivity on the left, high productivity on the right. The vertical line is representing positivity. So low positivity at the bottom, high positivity at the top. So the bottom right quadrant with the yellow uh, square there, this is where you have low positivity, but high productivity. Think about what a team that you've been on that may be like that. Um. What's it like? Just describe it. I mean, can you imagine? Yes, I've been on, I've been on uh, teams. I, I would say in this major event space, yeah, where you have critical deadlines that need to be met. Yeah, and you may not get along, and there may be a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. But when it comes down to it, you just know that you have to get this work done. And you push through it and you achieve your deadline. But at, but at the end of it, when you're done, everybody is physically and emotionally and mentally exhausted. Yep. And uh, then the cycle repeats itself and it's, and it's hard. You know, I know we had Lisa on, uh, on another episode and she talked about this cycle that she was in with events where it was super high pressure and then you would just crash. That's when she would get sick. And she would she would physically get ill, and I feel like in these product high productivity but low positivity environments, that's what happens. You know, you just you 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 work your butt off, and then you crash and burn, and then right. you try to recover if there's time to recover, and then you do it again. And you talked about sustainable team performance, and that's exactly. really not a sustainable model. That's right. Because, you, you know, it, it just people and, and you and you actually have just shared uh, one case where it's actually OK to have low positive, high, high productivity. There are project driven deadlines. There are, you know, things that you just have to do. Sometimes you're uh, implementing a new software. Maybe there's a merger or acquisition. Maybe there, it's the end of the month, right, that you have to, or the end of the year, the fiscal year, where you have to get everything together. There are times when we can push hard and have that big rush, kind of like what we talked about at the beginning of the show. Last year, everybody really put a lot of effort into doing everything they could to keep their businesses afloat. But after a while, you get burnout. You, you just your immune system, your mental and emotional immune system is depleted and you cannot sustain it. And if, it, if, it, if you have a team or a culture where this is sustained, you usually have high turnover. You know, people are, are basically watching their back all the time because you're always competing and it's always about, you know, are you on the leaderboard or yes or no, this is a meritocracy. Those things are good and occasionally they, they need to be there, but again, not sustainable. But there are times when it is appropriate.
it's interesting, nope. Spencer, that you mentioned the pandemic and how initially everybody was gung ho. I mean, you saw it in advertising. A bunch of ads came on. We're all in this together, and <laughs> you know, we will we will beat this and blah blah blah. Uh, we just had a news conference last week, I think it was, with the governor. The vaccines are rolling out, and what the governor said in his conference of among other things is that we were in the fourth quarter of this fight against COVID. And I think for a lot of us, it feels like we are in the fourth quarter, meaning we're all exhausted. We played three quarters very, very hard. And yes, we know the game will come to an end, but that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that we're any less fatigued, right? I mean, we played right. three hard quarters and we're all really, really tired. I love that you always bring the sports analogies back. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> what i know i think it's awesome but so let's go to the opposite quadrant where you have high positivity but low productivity just think for a moment what that's like uh yeah you know i've i've been involved in some teams there oftentimes on the same projects where it's it's positive for a while um, I've worked in certain uh, parts of the world where everybody is quite laid back and, and it's all about friendships, which is great and it's fun, uh, but you take really long lunches and you really enjoy people's <laughs> company and there are always things to do after hours and on the weekends and everybody gets along great. Uh, People, when they get to the office, before they even go to their desk, they stop and go into the break area and have coffee and talk with each other for 30 minutes. And then they do it again around 1030. And then they do it again, or then they have a long lunch. And then in the afternoon, they do it again. And they just don't get a lot done. And then the pressure comes and everybody feels stressed out. And then they, you know, they, again, like the other low positivity people really stress out to meet those, to meet those deadlines. Yeah. And, and so that's interesting, you know, Dr. McGee, when he came on, he talked a lot about that, where you have, you know, just some people aren't, are, are just not putting a lot of effort, you know, it's kind of sounds contrary to what we're saying, but there are teams and there are people that uh, spend a lot of energy just enjoying their, their team members. And, and, uh, and so is that ever appropriate where, you know, there's, there's low results where we are connected and, and having fun. I, I think it, there's times when it's appropriate to have that kind of camaraderie and, and jovial esprit, uh, esprit de corps, don't you? Oh, I do too. I do too. Um, you know, back in the Salt Lake organizing committee, uh, it was a work hard, play hard kind of thing. There you go. Uh, you can have that esprit de corps core if you work hard together and play hard together you can also have a spree de core if you just play hard and don't work but then <laughs> that's when, not sustainable either though yeah when the time comes where you really have to get things done uh generally speaking then your your uh, outcomes are subpar and then Correct. and then the blame game starts well right. you know so and so wasn't pulling their weight well you weren't doing this and then you, know, you end up running into problems and you're right, it's not sustainable. Right. And, and that's what a lot of managers fear. They think, well, you know, if we create this positive culture and environment, then productivity will slide and, and will suffer. And, but there are, there are times when it is appropriate. And so you need to have that. Now let's go to the bottom left quadrant, which is low productivity and low positivity. 
what does that feel like? Oh, that's that's purgatory or worse. I mean, it's just awful, right? Nobody really wants to be in that kind of environment where it's just it's it's not uh, intellectually or emotionally stimulating. You know, it's just it's just a slog. Right. There's actually uh, I'm looking for this is a song that I like to play when I actually have groups do this, we go through and I have all these different songs, but here's one that I play when, when we talk about what it's like to be in this quadrant. Uh, let's see, see if I can get it. That's, yeah, um, that's uh, that that pretty much sums it up by uh, Evanescence, and you know, just it, but it's it's not sustainable either because people are looking to leave, and you know they they want to they're they're afraid for their jobs, so um, that's why you know that it just that's where the blame and the resistance and the criticism and the fear and the just people feeling overwhelmed and it's all about firefighting. It is not fun. Again, not sustainable. And you're out of business pretty quickly. Now, where we want to get to as an organization is to this top right, what we call high productivity, high positivity. And this is, I mean, you've been on teams like this and you, you're talking about it. You're doing a podcast about the, about the 2002 Winter Olympics, which are such a model of, of, of success. I mean, you know, the team kind of pulled it out of failure to, to this great success. And and you're still talking about it 19 years later, and it wasn't it fun. And didn't you work your tail off? <laughs> yeah, but we worked extremely hard. We worked extremely hard, but it was incredibly rewarding. And so many people have come onto this podcast and said that it was really the highlight of their career. You know, that yeah. they had no better job than, than doing that. That's a bit um, bittersweet, right? <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of what life goes the on, and and and, uh, and you want to continue to have amazing experiences, and I know many of them have, myself included. I, I can't complain. I've, I've. But if if less than twelve percent of teams are all high performing, it means there's opportunity for us to get better. It means there's more opportunity for us to move towards this quadrant because this is where you know this is not where everybody's just patting each other on the back, you know, well done sitting on our laurels, but we're challenging each other. Just, you know, that example you talked about the Utah Jazz, they are not satisfied and they just played the best team other than themselves, but from the East conference. 
and the team was killing them in the beginning and they, uh, they fought back and they just did not give up. They just keep digging down to, to get better and to figure out how to, to, to meet the next challenge. And that's a great metaphor for these teams is that when somebody is struggling, they, they challenge them, they pick them up and, and they celebrate, they're proactive. They're not reactive. They are, um, they are looking to continue to grow and get better. And they're willing to take feedback and say, you know, how, how, how can I get through this slump? How can I, how can I overcome my, my challenges? And they're willing to, to do this. Spencer, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Um, these quadrants are great. And as you mentioned, there are only 12% who basically have nominated themselves or said, we are in a high productivity, high positive positivity team. We're in a high performing team, which means they're 88% in the other three quadrants. I'm just curious from your own experience, what you have seen over the decades that you've been working on uh, team performance, where do the majority of the teams lie? Is it an even distribution between the three or is there a lot of them lumped into productivity, low positivity? It's so different, Christian. I mean, I have, I, I've done team diagnostics with all kinds of teams, government, private, nonprofit, and, and they're, all, they're all different. Every, every team size, every, 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 you know, the makeup of the team, the dynamics, every team is different. And, and part of what we want to get to is we want to treat the team as a system, right? You're, you treat it as as a whole. So you're not just treating the individuals on the team, but every system is different. If you listen to reporters and and people who are looking at the jazz, they're saying this team is different than last year. Last year, they would have handled this problem this way, but this team is handling this problem this way. And so if some person leaves the team, you know, we, for trade or, or uh, you know, through going, injury or whatever, the dynamics of the whole system immediately change. You bring somebody new onto that team, the dynamics immediately change. And so this is a process. It's not an event. You don't just do a diagnostic, but it is a, it's an ongoing process because the team is constantly changing. Now, do the process steps change depending on where the team's at in the quadrants? You know, I kind of feel like, well, yeah, I mean, the, the approach that you might take for a low productivity, low positivity team might be different than the approach you would take to help a high positivity, low productivity team or a low positivity, high productivity team. So, so good question. Let, let, me, let, um, let me show you a couple of examples. Um, so, and we don't have a, a lot of time, but we're going to really dig into this over the, you know, several episodes. But here we have... Uh, let me share with you the the, um, the the productivity strengths that we're measuring, and we won't dig into all of what they they mean initially. I think you'll you'll understand them. Like being proactive, we understand what that means. But what does that what does it really look like in an organization? Goals and strategies are those clear? Do we have those well thought out? Sometimes you know, there's, there's opportunity for improvement there. It is the leadership effective and they, uh, and they understand their strengths and their weaknesses. Is there a form of accountability where everybody, I'm not talking about the micromanagement type of accountability where I'm looking over your shoulder, Christian, but where all of us know our duty because goals and strategies are clear and, 
and we take that accountability. We know our role, just like Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. He has a role and he, and he fills that role very well. So do all of us have similar, um, clarity in our roles and our and and what it is that we're responsible for on a daily basis and what others count on us for are we aligned as as a team i mean if there is especially if you're an executive team and there's misalignment it creates all kinds of pain and suffering throughout the organization are we good at decision making are we allocating our resources this is not about do we have enough resources it's do we use the resources we have effectively and so part of the answer to your question is is if you look at a team and you look at the productivity strengths and they're strong with resource allocation and and decision making but weak in accountability and in you know goal setting alignment then that's where we're going to focus our our energy so we go through a process but we we focus our energy and efforts on the areas that that are weakest and um you know, you, you you think of star players, you know, maybe they have a weakness in free throws or, or outside or mid-range game. And you know, what happens is that coaches work with those players to strengthen their weaknesses. We had Scott Hamilton, which we haven't even, uh, we haven't even um, produced that or, or aired it yet, but he was talking about how, you know, he became an Olympic skater not by just focusing on his strengths, which so many people around the, the world, you know, strengths-based this, strengths, you know, that's great. But it's not our strengths that cause us to, to suffer a lot of times. It's our weaknesses. It's our, it's our gaps, our shortcomings. And so that's what we do. I don't know if that answers your question. It does. Uh, so this slide, this addresses productivity, but what about positivity? Yeah. So here are the seven elements of, of positivity. Is there trust? Do you trust each other? You know, do you know when you pass that ball that someone's going to do something good with it, make the right decision? Is there optimism? Do you have hope? Do you have a sense of, hey, we're going to win? And is there constructive interaction? And this is um, this is more than just the pats on the back. This is how do you disagree? How do you handle conflict? When 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 you have a disagreement with strategy or approach or whatever, are you able to do that in a constructive way? This is one of the, the, the elements of positivity that most teams, as a matter of fact, it's the element that most teams struggle with the most. And, and they really struggle with, with uh, conflict and doing it effectively. And we'll spend time talking about these traits individually and what teams can do to, to really shore those up. Uh, communication, is there a communication effective do they enjoy being together? Do they value diversity? You know, diversity and inclusion is such a huge topic right now. Do you celebrate diversity and, and all kinds of diversity, including thought and approach and personality and as well as race and, you know, religion and, and just experiences and ideas and approach. You need, you know, we, we had a conversation several sessions ago about the T-shaped employee, right? The ability to be able to connect with different teams and, and, and have a broader perspective actually strengthens the team. And I think that that goes with diversity. So we go through this, this process to identify where they are with all of these and um, basically, you know, as a coach, what I do is I work with the entire team 
and individuals on the team and we we address all kinds of things and here's a little bit about the you know the process it's kind of what we were, we're we're talking about and i i have several case studies but i don't know if we we have time i have clients of my own clients in the industry where what we do is you you reveal the conditions on the team so for example you know the quadrant that i was showing you the four areas bottom right low high and and then high low and um oops and so based on the survey you might have an area like this white area christian if you can see that yep i can see it and you asked earlier what you know i had one team that was a government team that this whole area was white. What does that mean? That means in some areas their, their productivity was awful. And other times it was amazing. They were uh, emergency responders and they did great under pressure. But when the pressure was off, actually like a lot of military teams and, and ambulance teams, you know, it's like they're great when they're stressed, but when they don't have anything to do, that's when all the problems come out. And in some cases they were highly positive at the very top. Um, in other cases, they were they were just, you know, negative and, and they struggled. And so the whole area is why other teams were just, you know, smaller, they look like this. And, and the goal is to get the team to move into this direction over here. Obviously we want to, we want to move. And, um, and then what we do is we have this little spider diagram. Oh goodness. Christian, I'm having a problem here. There we go. Um, so we have that spider diagram and that is shows you how you are doing on all of the traits individually. So um, it kind of, it's if you imagine an artery, right? That's that, that round thing. And then it's like there's plaque build, it, build up if, you, if you're not strong in all this area, that means the blood flow to, to the organization is reduced. And so what we want to do is we want to, we want to increase those scores in all of those different areas. And so here's, here's a, a typical example. I mean, we're typically increasing on average about 20% productivity and positivity, but we want to take the old team where the dotted line is and move them, move them towards that high, high. And we want to also, if you look at that, that spider diagram, we want to, we want to move those, those traits out. And so that's what happens a lot. And so we, we, we want to show you the results by doing an assessment in the beginning, doing the work on and identifying the problems. And at the end, we do, an, we do a follow-up assessment and it really improves overall. Just, it, it, it just has huge, huge positive effect. And I have, like I said, I have all kinds of case studies and we can talk about them as we go throughout this process. Um, to me, it's just, it's exciting to see. And it's exciting to see the transition to a team like the Utah Jazz that's just having fun. They love to be together and they're winning. It's so much, teams want to win, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, one thing that I would say as we embark on this journey of team diagnostic and we learn more uh, in subsequent ep episodes about the details behind all of this, is the importance of coaching. And I, again, will go back to the jazz or any team sport nowadays. If you remember basketball, when we were a kid, you basically had a head coach, right? There was a head coach of a basketball team and then that was it. And then 
you know, in the 80s and 90s, you ended up having maybe two or three assistant coaches that would be helping the head coach. If you look at a coaching staff now in a professional sports organization, oh my gosh, how many coaches? There are there are coaches for every player, basically, you know, and, and they focus on all different kinds of things to help them maximize their performance. Right. The, the business world oftentimes look at, looks at this like, oh, well, we just need someone to come in here and do this Uh. workshop for four hours. And that's going to solve all our problems, which runs totally counter to the way that an organization like a professional sports organization does where they, they, they understand the importance of coaching throughout the process. You can't just go in there and tell the team, you know what, you guys need to make more three-point shots. You need to increase your percentage. Thanks, everybody. See you later. We'll talk to you next year. That's not really how it works. You have people that are really helping every person on the team, and that's what Lisa is doing. That's what you're doing. Um, that's actually what the Seahawks, which is another organization we had on this podcast, which we haven't promoted. They use analytics to just exactly like this team diagnostic. They have AI analytics to determine the weaknesses, all the trends, the strengths, everything that we're doing well and where we need to focus our attention. And, you know, financial reports are great. However, sometimes the, the, the work of the work is not just about the productivity side it's the conditions on that team the engagement the the you know the 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 willingness to to make those hustle plays really come from the climate of the team and that's something a lot of team leaders struggle with which is why only less than 12 percent of all teams self-reported are high performing because most managers don't know what to do with this they bring in you or I for a, for a four-hour workshop or a keynote, and that becomes an event. And then what happens is people get inspired and motivated for a minute, and then they go back to their lives, and they don't know how to always implement what it is that they have just learned. And then what happens is when the next event rolls around, it's like it's more eye-rolling. There's not a, it, it's a superficial approach to really investing in your most important asset. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, it's interesting. Hopefully we'll get the, the episode uh, with the, with Chip Suttles and, and Josh Smith, Josh Smith from the Seahawks here very soon. Yeah. But their focus in analytics is really centered on the safety and the health of their players so that the players can perform at their very best when they are called upon. And if other organizations would take that kind of approach, which is very employee centered, making sure that your employee has all of the knowledge and the skills and the tools and support that they need to perform at their very best. Can you imagine what organizations in this country would would perform like if people took that kind of approach with their employees? Absolutely. I, I want to show you one more slide here. Let's do it. Um, so, so here's one of my clients, and this was initially in 2018, March, and then in May of 2019, we took a follow-up. And so the blue line here is where they originally were. Let me change my marker to red so you can see that a little bit better. But look at where trust on this, this is an executive team. Trust was like at three and a half. And after 
this time working together. That was the weakest area along with their communication and their handling conflict. Constructive and just for our listeners who might be listening to this, that would be three and a half out of nine. That's correct. That's right. And, and so afterwards, we got to about five and a half. So think about just what the impact of increasing trust on that team is like. Now, there's obviously more room to go and, and to improve. But that that had a if you if you talk to those executives, it had a huge impact on on how they were able to handle all the stress and, and what was going on, on on the team. And um, so so to me, that's a that's a great example right there. And and I know I told you I would only show you one slide, but here we are looking at their their productivity strengths from 18 2018 versus 19. So you can look at the the increase of each of these things and measure exactly what's going on and positive. Look at the optimism, how it's gone up. Look at the trust. Trust went up 39%. Dealing with conflict, the improvement went up 29%. So that's the kind of things that can make a, just those few things can make a huge impact on your experience, on your willingness to, 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 to sacrifice and, and continue to fight through through the fourth quarter. And well, I really like one. your... I We're like going to have your, another game next week. <laughs> yeah. I like your analogy of the spider. Um, for our listeners, again, who cannot see if you were looking at a spider web from the top and and likening it to an artery, as if you were looking down a cylinder, if you were looking down through the artery um, cylindrically. Yeah. And basically what you're doing is you're helping the organization remove all of the non-productive, non-positive cholesterol that is clogging the artery. That's exactly right. And then allowing things to flow better with less resistance, less friction. And when people have lower resistance and lower friction, they perform better. That's right. That's exactly the point. And, And what we'll do is we'll spend some time talking about individual elements of what they mean, and maybe some ideas of what teams can do to um, to implement those things in, in their organizations. Well, fantastic, Spencer. I'm really looking forward to the coming weeks when we dive into this team performance diagnostic a little bit further. This has been really, really enlightening, and I appreciate you opening it up and sharing it and introducing it with us. If people want to learn more about the team diagnostic, in addition to listening to this podcast, they want to talk to you directly, what's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? Just Go to the website, Altium Leadership, A-L-T-I-U-M, leadership.com. Message me there or email me at spencer at altiumleadership.com. And, you know, you and I are going to be doing more and more work together. And so hopefully we'll be able to do some of this work together with teams. And so how can people find, find you, Christian? Well, people can find me at my website, gp4.com, gpfour.com, or you can email me at cnapier at gp4.com. You can look me up on LinkedIn, Christian Napier. Uh, I also just want to say for listeners who traditionally consume this podcast through audio, we did have a lot of slides and we do provide this on video as well. So we encourage you to to go to the links, we'll, we'll, we'll provide those links in the show notes uh, so that you can see uh, the video presentation that we've just done here. So listeners, thank you so much. Please like and subscribe 
to our podcast and we'll catch you again soon.